Let's see. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Is that? that oh, challenge accepted. <laughs> it's like margarine. Two, 2020. If you guys can hear my voice, please come to the main room so we can pray. Thanks. Woo. to share God's word with us. Live? Live. Got it. Nailed it. Okay. Good morning. God bless you. Thank you guys for coming this morning. I'm so, so blessed that you're here. I am. John, could you bring me down just a, just a smidge? All right. Um, I'm waiting for my, my computer to load here. Um, today we're going to talk about faithful. Um, and we know faithful, the word defined, you know, as we use it today, as being uh, 
constant or true to fact or steadfast, right? God has another definition, not separate from that, but in addition to that. And we'll start in verse, uh, in Matthew chapter 25 to look at how God uses this word faithful. And Jesus Christ is given a parable here, and in verse 14 we'll start, it says, For it will be like a man coming to a journey, going on a journey rather, who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave to one, and to uh, I'm sorry, to one he gave to five talents, to one he gave another two, and to one he gave one, and according, each according to their ability, and then he went away. He who had received the five talents went and, and at once and traded them, and he made five more talents. So also, he who had two talents made two talents more. But the man who had one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master had come back to those servants and settled accounts with them. And he who received the five talents came forward, bringing five more, and said, Master, I have del- you delivered me five talents. Here I have made you five more. And his master said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Okay, so this man had a responsibility to take a thing, and he was faithful to make it greater. And then when he gave it back, he gave that full measure back to his master. And that word faithful throughout the entirety of the New Testament is, is the same word, right? So we're not looking at a word with two definitions here. We're looking at one word with, with one definition, okay? And that word faithful means to be obedient, to be trusting, and to be trustworthy. Now, it can be used as many words in two ways, actively and passively, okay? So passively, that word means I am trusting, okay? So if we were to look at our relationship to God, it would look like this. I am trusting God. I am faithful to God, okay? That means that the thing that I trust in has shown itself to be trustworthy, okay? I trust God. Now, it can also be used actively. That's the passive usage. The active usage would be, I am trusted, okay? So like in the, in the parable that we just read, the, the, these people were entrusted with talents from the master, And so the master saw them trustworthy and then trusted them to do a thing, okay? Now, that means you have shown yourself trustworthy, right? Now, in in our relationship to God, that word faithful is the same thing. I am faithful and God trusts me. See, being faithful is more than just remaining steadfast or constant. It's being trusting and trustworthy at the same time. Being faithful is being committed to God and being trustworthy of God. Someone that God can trust to be obedient and steadfast to his instruction. Last month, Garrett Bova taught um, on God's kingdom. And remember when he had all the chairs up here on the stage and he taught from the floor? And that was, a, that was an example, right, that as the body of Christ, leadership is more than just a person or a team. As the body of Christ, it's a shared responsibility to bring his kingdom to earth and to represent his kingdom well. Agreed? Remember that? For those of you who weren't here, that's what it was about. We had all the chairs, we had all this stuff torn down, we had all these chairs out here, up here, right? And then Garrett taught from down there. But it was to show that like being up here isn't just the leadership position and this is where you get to make a change, right? Everybody's up here. It's a shared responsibility. God trusts us. Okay, as Christians, as those that live like Christ, God needs us to be faithful. 
God needs people that he can trust to represent his kingdom well. Being faithful needs to be part of our reality day to day. I'm going to sidebar for a minute, and we're going to talk about truth and reality. Truth, and some people may call it purpose or destiny or calling, uh, what you step into, that thing that God makes you with his grace, right? All of that is just truth. That's, why, that's kind of how I sum that, right? <clears throat> truth is what's available, but not yet manifested in your life. Okay? For an example, um, Let's go one more. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all has come new. Right? That's a truth. Okay? And we talked about this last month when, when we looked at this verse that you and your sin have been separated. Right? And your sin has been cast this way and you've been moved forward and have become new. The passing away is that separation of you and your sin. And everything that identified you before Jesus Christ has been pulled away from you. Then you became new, not refurbished, not restored, new, totally rebuilt, remember? Completely new in every possible way, better in every possible way by Jesus Christ. That's your life now moving forward. Okay, that is a truth. Here's another truth. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Okay? God has given you the singular spirit of a power of love and of a sound mind. Okay? This means that fear has no place in your life or control in your life. And it also means that anxiety has no place or control in your life. This is a truth, right? We can't get away from it. Next one. In John chapter 14, Jesus Christ says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these because I am going to my Father. Okay? You can live and love as Jesus Christ himself lived and loved. That is to say, with certainty, you can live your life without sin. You can live today and every day moving forward without sin in, present in your life. That is a truth. Amen? Don't get, inten- don't, don't get intimidated here, okay, guys? This is all truth. This is good stuff. We should be cheering for this because it's truth. It's not subject to whether we want it to be or not. It's truth because God said it. You can't argue with them. They're as certain as water is wet, okay? Now, reality. Reality is different. Reality is your life and what is evidenced by your life, right? Here's an example. You're filled with Holy Spirit. How do we know that? What's the evidence of that? Well, we spoke in tongues and interpreted this morning. That's the manifestation of Holy Spirit in your life. True? Good. Okay. So that's a reality. That's a truth that has become a reality. In my life, God's truth and my reality don't perfectly align. Right? There, is, there may be some overlap, which is, you know, that's good for me, certainly. But they don't perfectly align. But that doesn't mean they can't or they shouldn't. The only difference between truth and reality is that truth hasn't happened yet. Okay? And I say yet not because 
Word of the Lord, guys. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I was in a meeting, so I'll sidebar real quick. We'll get back to this. I was in a meeting at work, and um, I have Version Bible app on my phone, which, which uh, I listen to in the morning because I can hear the audio track. Yeah, and uh, so I'm sure you know what happened next. Ephesians started playing in the middle of this meeting, and I'm like, who's playing? I don't ever. Oh, that's me. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but you're all blessed. All right, so anyway, reality Reality is, is how we live today and, and what's exemplified in our life today, okay? And the only difference between truth and reality, let's revisit, is that truth is God's truth here and reality is what we live here and they haven't aligned yet, okay? But they can and should, okay? <clears throat> because they're available. Truth is available, okay? If I give you an iPhone, let's just give you an example here. If I give you an iPhone and I put it on a table and I say, that's for you, and you don't feel worthy to receive it, who's wrong, the giver or the recipient? The recipient, right? I gave it to you. In my mind, the gift has already been given. I've predetermined your worthiness before I gave you the gift, right? Now, if you don't feel that you're worthy enough for my gift, your thinking needs to be realigned because the truth of the matter is that I gave you something, Okay? Now, if you accept it, but you only ever use it as a phone, and you don't take great pictures with it, and you don't listen to any music, and you never browse the web or watch Netflix, does that make that stuff not available? No, you just haven't used it. But the truth of the matter is you have an iPhone 11, right? You do whatever you want with it. It's full of capability. When God gave us the gift of Holy Spirit, he determined that we were worthy to receive it. And now he is trusting us to use that gift to its fullest potential. God's truth should equal your reality. Your purpose, your destiny, your calling, the things that God made you to be should be your reality. There should be your reality, and they will be your reality when we begin to become faithful. When we are obedient and we trust, we become trustworthy. And then reality and truth starts to align. There is an awesome example of this exchange in, in trust in, uh, between Jesus Christ and God in Matthew chapter 4. So we're going to go there. In verse 1 of Matthew 4, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, real quick, who led Jesus Christ? Uh-huh. Okay. So, in this, in this instance, God led Jesus Christ, okay? God was instructing Jesus Christ to go into the wilderness, and what did Jesus Christ do? Well, he was led, so what did he do? Physically, he, he followed, right? God gave an instruction. Jesus took that instruction and followed, okay? He obeyed and trusted God's instruction. This is what that looks like. In this instance, Jesus Christ trusted God, okay? Now, he wasn't skeptical, the text doesn't say anything about him going, well, God, I don't know. There's hemming and hawing, right? He, he, he didn't tentatively follow. He didn't wait around the corner to make sure that everything was going to be okay and safe when he got there. He just followed, right? That's all, the, that's all that's there. Jesus Christ trusted God to go into the wilderness. In verse 2, uh, oh. I don't know. Is that it? Yep, verse 2, here we go, sorry. Okay, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, as you are. 
In verse 3, and the tempter came to him and he said, if you're the son of God, command these stones become loaves of bread. Now, the tempter came to him and said two things. He issued two challenges in one sentence. The first one was, if you are the son of God. He called into question Jesus Christ's sonship. And the second one, he said, I bet you're hungry. Why don't you make something to eat? Okay? And Jesus Christ in verse 4 said, he, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, he didn't acknowledge the, exa- the accusation that he wasn't the son of God. Why? Because he trusted God and knew who he was. That argument of sonship wasn't even on the table in Jesus Christ's mind. He did not acknowledge it. He didn't say, well, I am the son of God. He didn't start there. He just went right past it and said, that's not on the table. That's not up for discussion, and I don't have to prove that to you. But God said this about food. Verse 5, Then the devil took him to a, a, a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you should strike your foot on a stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, totally unwilling to acknowledge the first challenge of sonship here. Jesus Christ went right to the, heart of the, right, right to the next question, because it wasn't available to talk about sonship. Verse 5, Satan tries again, if you're the son of God, and Jesus, doesn't, Jesus Christ doesn't acknowledge it. In verse 6, he tries to even quote scripture back at Jesus Christ, thinking, well, he quoted it at me first, maybe I'll quote it and trip him up that way, right? And Jesus Christ says, uh-uh, nope, <laughs> not happening, buddy. And then retorts with truth. Verse 8, and again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus Christ said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. See, Jesus Christ was led into the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted. There was no mystery about what he was doing. God didn't trick him into going into the wilderness. God didn't set his son up to be ambushed. God didn't allow him to face something that he was unprepared for. God trusted Jesus Christ to follow instruction and be obedient. God trusted his son to go into that wilderness and not give in to temptation. And when God leads you, he will trust you. And when he leads you, it will be in the same victory that Jesus Christ walked in. This was a huge win for heaven. I mean, think about it. This was Jesus Christ. And, and if, the, if the, the adversary would have won here, I mean, what, what do you do next? But he didn't, right? He was, Jesus Christ was faithful. He was trustworthy of God and trusted God that this would be a mere temptation and nothing more. We'll get through this. Being faithful is being trustworthy to do what God has asked you to do in order to be the representation of heaven, in order for the kingdom of God to become a reality, we must become faithful. It's not a thing we should do. It's a thing we must do. Being faithful is not a byproduct of the new birth either. It's a decision that we make after the new birth and how we're going to move forward in being born again. In committing our lives to Jesus Christ, how am I going to do this? Am I going to just do it as a get-out-of-jail-free card at the end? Or am I going to commit truly to the Lord Jesus Christ in my life and move forward 
faithfully, trustworthy, and trusting in everything that I say and do. <laughs> if we're going to start being faithful, we should just start being faithful at what matters most, and that is, my, that is love, in my opinion. That is the best place to begin. Galatians 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 14 says, The whole of the law is fulfilled in one word. A thousand bonus points to anybody that shouts out the word right now. Go. Oh, good, you guys know it. <laughs> For the whole of the law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right? The word word here isn't the word singular. It's not one word, right? But it's, it's what's wrapped up in the spoken word. So, love. Okay? And it's, <laughs> the law is fulfilled in one command. Love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Literally, it's anyone in your immediate vicinity, okay? So take a look at the people around you right now. Those are your neighbors. Say, I love you. That's right, okay? Now, we're going to have some fun. Stand up. Everybody put four different people around you and do it again. Now keep doing that. Think about this. Why, why does this sum up all of the law? For a refresher, what's the law? Don't steal, don't covet, don't murder. If you're doing this, are you allowed to do anything else? Are you capable of stealing? Are you capable of murder when you're hugging someone and telling you you love them? No. So that's how it's all summed up in one word. Keep going. You're not done. I'm sure you haven't hugged somebody here. <laughs> I'm going to read some verses while you do this, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 say, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved him or loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Are you loving people the way Christ loved you? While you're walking around and talking to people that you maybe have never met before, are you loving them the way Christ loved you? Are you faithful to do what God asked us to do in Galatians? Romans chapter 15 and verse 6, it says that together we may as one voice glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore we are to welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. For what? So that we can feel good about ourselves? So that we can arrive all at the same place on a Sunday morning and feel good? Nope. Why? Because the glory of God. Why are we loving people? For the glory of God. Come on. Today is not the last physical interaction that you're going to have with a person. Today, you may go to Starbucks, and guess what? Across that counter is a neighbor, and your instruction hasn't changed. And your approach to how you handle that interaction should not change either. The instruction is the same. We've got to be faithful to love. If you get pulled over going home this afternoon, guess what? The guy that pulls you over for doing something wrong is your neighbor. You don't get to be indignant. It's not allowed. We make reality match truth. We become faithful and execute on what God has asked us to do faithfully. We love. (laughs) 
It's only weird to tell somebody at Starbucks that you love them because we've made love this really personal, specific thing that you can only do with certain people. But that's not what God's definition of love was, is it? What did he say? Love your neighbor. Is that going to change because your definition of the word love is different? Nope. It's exactly what Jesus Christ did every single day. There was a man in a cave in the, old, in, in the New Testament. Caught himself, he was possessed by a whole bunch of demons. They called him legion because he had so many devil spirits. Okay? Caught himself, yelled at people, scared people, lived in a cemetery in a cave. Okay? Jesus Christ loved that man to the point that he didn't just walk by and say, I'll pray for that guy. He sat down next to that guy and loved him. (laughs) It's exactly what we can do every day. (sighs) All right. For the whole of the law is fulfilled in one word, love. God loves you. I love you. Have a great day. You can say that to anybody. Faithfulness is what turns truth into reality, okay? Being faithful to love when it's hard, being faithful to love when you don't understand the why or the how, being committed to trusting God when there aren't results, when there is no breakthrough, being obedient to God even when it seems embarrassing or it seems beneath you or it seems pointless. Being faithful to do what God asks us to do is when truth and reality align and become the same thing. I love you guys dearly. Oh, and God, I love you too. You're wonderful. And thank you, God, so much for this this day. Thank you, God, for the opportunities that we're going to have today to love people. And Father, I pray that we can be faithful to that love. That, Father, the trust that that you have in us to represent you well will be the first action on our hearts today and moving forward every day, God. Thanks that we're not bound to sin. Thanks that today we get to move forward as Christ did. That we're not identified by what happened yesterday or the day before or any other day before that, God. We're identified and we're defined by you in love. I love you, God. I thank you so much for these people, and I thank you for this day to be a glory for you. In Jesus Christ's name.